Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast at UT Belfast. We hope you enjoy as you join with us on Sunday mornings and listen in as we seek to inspire our church and the people of our city to encounter Jesus and just love it with the biggest heart of compassion possible. Big thanks to David for those uh, tools to thrive. Isn't that a great idea? Uh, just giving us some practical uh, tools and ideas in this season in order to best use our time and in order to grow as much as we can. Well, hey church, we're so glad that you've decided uh, to be part of today, to be part of this gathering. Hopefully you got the opportunity, as uh, Timothy and Beth said at the start, to be part of the Instagram Live pre-show. Hear all about what God is doing through Compassion Belfast at this time. But if you didn't, we're so glad that you've made the space and made the time in your day to be part of this. If we haven't met before, my name is Ryan. And uh, over the last number of weeks, we've been going through this collection of talks entitled Joy in the Crazy Places. Joy in the Crazy Places. This journey of discovery, a process, digging some wells in order to understand and experience joy. Joy in the middle of this, you say? Yep, this season it's possible to experience joy, deep, biblical, real-life joy, not temporary experience of emotion, but a joy that is rooted in conviction. The world as we know it, life as we know it, could be understood as crazy or chaotic. And so today I want to talk to you around this idea, there is joy in the process. Come on, say to yourself, there is joy in the process. There is joy in the process. I want to read to you two scriptures. We can read them together. They're going to be on the screen. One is in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I'm going to read that. Then we're going to jump to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Philippians 1, verse 6. Paul writing to the church in Philippi as we've been speaking over the last number of weeks. He says this, And I am certain that God, come on, it's a good start when we start today with God. I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Come on, somebody. That shows us straight away that God has begun a work in who? In you, in me, in all of us, that God is doing a work in your life and my life and He's gonna carry it on to completion speaks of a process. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17 says, that is why we never give up. Maybe you're thinking of giving up today. That is why we never give up. Why do we never give up? What is he gonna say? Though our, our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed. Every day, come on. You're getting younger in your spirit. You're being renewed every single day. Though outwardly we are dying, inwardly we are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Maybe your troubles don't feel very small right now, but the reality of it is in comparison to the glory that awaits you, your troubles are tiny. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Come on, somebody, let me pray for us. Then we're gonna jump into what these verses mean for our lives. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that Jesus, you are building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And we recognize that your church is made up of people 
And so we thank you that you are building our lives, that our lives are in a process and there is joy in that process. So we pray today, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to us through your word, Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate the word of God to us. And Lord, it would produce a transformation in our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Come on, somebody. Thanks to Cameron playing so well today. And thanks to these guys for leading us in worship and Beth and Tim for hosting today with us and all of the guys who are making it possible. Thank you so much uh, for making everything possible for us to gather online in a great way. Hey, I wonder if you've thought in the middle of this, is Ikea really essential? I don't think it is open anymore in this lockdown. What is it like lockdown 4.0? But I think at one point it was open, like they'd become like an essential service. I was, I was thinking about uh, this week about Ikea and thinking about why people really like Ikea. Why do people really love Ikea? Is it something to do with the cost? Like the fact that you can get so much and it's, it's relatively cheaper than other places? Or is it to do with like, the feel-good factor of building something yourself until you open one of those drawers at your bedside table and everything falls to the floor? Or, or is it the, the Swedish vibe of it? You just enjoy going and enjoy walking around and then you find you, that you're buying stuff and you're enjoying the, the experience of it. Why do, why do people like Ikea? I, I really don't know. I was trying to think of why I like Ikea and I'm not really sure. I think it's an accumulation of all of it. But what I can tell you that the reason why it's not is when you get something from Ikea, you're excited. You see this unbelievable wardrobe where you see this bed in Ikea and you're like, hey, that's real. I'm going to take that home. So you get it. It comes in a couple of boxes and you're like, easy, no worries, easy peasy. Then you, you open up one of those boxes and there are for a fridge magnet, there's 3,000 pieces and an Allen key. And so you're sat looking at it, wondering how for something so small, there could be so many pieces that you have to put together. Maybe it's a clothes reel. And you're wondering how for a clothes reel, there's approximately 5,468 pieces and yet one Allen key to put it all together. You're looking at it, wondering how to start. And so you pick up the manual, the little you know, they're, they're not, um, they're not uh, investing much in those manuals, that's for sure. This little flimsy A4 piece of paper that's folded and it's in about 800 different languages and dialects and you're digging for English and you finally f find a wee bit of English in, in some way, shape or form. Uh, in the meantime, you're looking at the pictures wondering, is this part 48 or is that part 48 or is that part 2491? What is actually going on right now? There, there's, a bit of a, there's a bit of a process to getting something from Ikea built at times. It's, it's a bit more um, sophisticated. It basically, it makes sense why lots of the things are so cheap because you're doing the labor. You want to know what I don't understand is that you can get something that is ginormous in Ikea and they trust you to build it. As long as you buy it, you can build it. You don't need any expertise. There is no pressure on you. You take it home and you do with it what you please. Regardless of your experience in building, crack on. I want to just take that idea today for a minute or two. Drive us in this direction of we, you and I, are being built. Our lives are being built. But the builder of our lives requires some expertise. See, 
if you are to build your life, you have to take all of these different pieces and all of these different things. Uh, and some of us can build our lives better than others, uh, but we're not really sure what really matters most or where that's supposed to go or, or how is that supposed to fit here? Does that fit there? And then there's arguments and there's tears and there's tantrums and there's everything in between. For anything to be built, it takes a process. It takes a process to construct a house. It takes a process to build wealth. It takes a process to build strength. It takes a process to develop habits. You today are called by God, chosen by God, and you are in the process of becoming like his son, Jesus. You are being renewed in your spirit every single day, aka God is building you. You are a work in progress. And so if you're a work in progress, that would imply that there is joy in the process. I want to show us a few things from God's word today. The first thing is this, that God began the work. God began the work. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, and I am certain that God, 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 who began the good work within you, will continue whose work? His work that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Another translation says until completion to completion, aka God has a completion date for your life, Jesus Christ returning, and God is gonna continue the work of your life his work that he's doing in your life until Jesus Christ returns. You are God's work. There is a good work in your life and it isn't your self-help. It isn't your new ideas. It isn't your uh, 101 concepts, but actually it is a work that almighty God began in your life. You know, the Bible says that do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to uh, when Paul's writing. And lots of us, we don't struggle with thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to. Some of us, at times, we can think, oh, I'm this and I'm that. But often, many of us actually think too lowly of ourselves than we ought to. Our self-worths around here, our understanding of who we are in Christ is, is rock bottom. I encourage you not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to. But I also encourage you not to think of yourself more lowly than you ought to. You are God's work. Ephesians 2.10 in the NIV says, for we are God's handiwork, speaking of a craftsmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That will help you today understand that God is the builder and you're God's work. You aren't just any type of work, but you're God's handiwork that actually he has for, is forming something intimate and intricate in your life. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are half decent, average. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I want to ask you a question today. Do you know full well that God's works are wonderful? Do you? Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard this before. Do you know full well that God's works are wonderful? 
let's marry these two verses. Not to pull any verses out of the Bible and say they make sense together, but actually let's understand that we are God's handiworks. Ephesians 2.10. Then the end of Psalm 139, your works are wonderful, which would explicitly imply today that you're wonderful, <laughs> right? Like you've come to church today for somebody to tell you that you're wonderful. Come on, man, just get to the stuff about God. Mm-hmm. That's part of God. God is building your life and your life, who you are, who you're becoming in Christ is wonderful. Yeah, there's parts that aren't beautiful quite yet, but the, the work that God is doing in your life, that part is wonderful. The things that God is stirring in your heart, that is wonderful. What God is doing in the depths of your soul, in your spirit, in your mind, that, all of that stuff is wonderful. You are God's work. And as a result of that, you are wonderful. Now, if that doesn't bring you joy, then I would, I would seriously encourage you to, to reconsider whether or not uh, you are truly taking God's word seriously. Because that, you guys, is, is, that is straight up the Bible. His works are wonderful. You are one of his works, which would imply your life is one, who you are becoming in Christ is wonderful, is wonderful. Why? Not because of what you've done, but because of what he is doing in your life. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but actually we're not called to have low self-esteem either. I wonder if over this season you've caught a little bit more uh, television I remember uh, one of the things that I'd caught on TV a little while back and it was, a, it was a program about cowboy builders. What's cowboy builders? Cowboy builders is when a builder comes to a property, quotes some work, uh, then the person you know, pays for the work, then they quote a little bit more work, then they pay for a little bit more work. And so the builder begins the work and usually uh, these cowboy builders, uh, not speaking for any builders, uh, many builders at all, but they are a small minority. Usually the, the house is left, the owners are distraught, the people who paid for the work are in a bit of financial trouble. They're scaffolding up. The builder hasn't been seen in eight months and they, they don't know what to do about it. They can't get in contact with him. And the reality of it is, is that it, it's been a quarter of a job that's needed done. They've taken the money, they, they, all of the resources that the customers you know, provided for the builder to go and get, et cetera, et cetera. And so this, this um, customer now is, is distraught is lacking in trust, is insecure, is uncertain, doesn't have the financial means perhaps many of the times to, to get the work completed. And so what they end up doing is they end up living in this uh, unlivable environment, unlivable situation. And this is, this is gonna sound perhaps for you a little bit cheesy today, but I wanna let you know that God is not your cowboy builder. God is not leaving you half completed. God is not leaving you in an unlivable environment. God hasn't left the work. God's still doing the work. God is still doing the work in your life. 
God is not leaving you distraught. God is not leaving you lacking trust. God is not leaving you insecure. For any word that comes from the mouth of God will not return void. God is gonna fulfill everything that he said and he has spoken over your life. You're called, you're chosen, you're favored by God. You've been accepted by God. You're loved by God. You're, you're welcomed by God. In fact, he has adopted you as, and you, he is your father. And as a result, you can cry to him, Abba, Father. God is not gonna leave you high and dry, but he is still at work in your life. Ephesians 3, verse 20 to 21. If you're asking today, how is God working in me? God can do anything, you know, far more than you could imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Come on, somebody. That feels exciting. But then how does he do it? He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. I wanna encourage you to make some time to allow the Spirit of God to work deeply and gently within you. Have you ever met a person who's gentle? You don't shout at them and they don't shout at you. You listen. Because they speak gently, they talk gently, they have a gentle way about them. God is gentle. The Spirit wants to work deeply and gently within you. If you're experiencing condemnation and shame, shame and guilt and anger and ridicule, and regret, then I would, I would say to you today that that's not God working in you. Either that's sometimes an attack from the enemy of our souls, the devil, or sometimes it's us conforming into legalism. God doesn't work in the currency of condemnation. He doesn't bring us shame in order to cause us to change. Guilt isn't his way of transforming our lives personal anger and frustration at ourselves isn't, isn't the way in which God operates. Ridicule isn't his recipe for your life. You can have joy today in knowing that God began this good work in you. Romans 14 verse 14 says, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Come on, today, I encourage you. Maybe you're still in your PJs or whatever. I encourage you, close yourself in Jesus Christ. Consider him today. Work out how you're gonna lead your life for Jesus today. Work out today what it is that, Holy Spirit, I wanna invite you to cause me to live like Christ today. The second thing I wanna tell you today is that you have a secure foundation. God's doing a work in your life and he's given you a secure foundation. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with God's holy people. You're members of God's family. And together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone, come on. The cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We're carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple in the Lord for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Come on, Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone. Let me ask you this question today. What is your life built on? Is your life built on your bank account? Is your life built on a great family or kids or, or health or wealth? Is your family built on your career? Is your, fa- is your life built on your career? Beg your pardon. Is your life built on your achievements? Is your life built on your social life? Is your life built on your reputation? See, in an instant, 
All of those things can change. In one moment, those things can just be flipped on their head. They are not a secure foundation. They are not what you want to simply build your life on. Yet, Yes, they're great things. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Yes, they, they're, they're things that we want to attain in our lives and we want to enjoy in our lives, but they cannot be the cornerstone of our lives. They cannot be the foundation of our lives. See, this work that God is doing in your life has a secure foundation. It's cornerstone is built on Christ himself. See, when times get tough, can you have assurance in your foundation? Uh, Isaiah 40, 28 to 30. Do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He'll not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those, come on, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Those who hope in the Lord, those whose cornerstone is Christ Jesus, those whose foundation is built upon Jesus Christ, the solid rock on which I stand. Come on, that's the reality of those who, who are, whose lives are built on Christ. Those who hope in the Lord will run and not grow weary. There is joy in the process. See, when you're following Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the foundation of your life. And that thing, that reality of Jesus being the foundation, Jesus being the cornerstone, that cannot change in an instant. That cannot be flipped on its head in one moment of turmoil on the planet. That cannot be our reality. Why? Because Hebrews 13 verse 8 reminds us that Jesus Christ, come on, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Is he gonna be the same tomorrow? Yep, you better believe it. Is he gonna be the same the next? Is he gonna be the same in 30 years time? Yes, he is. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. He is unchanging. He keeps his promises. Jesus is the same. Come on. If the foundation of a house isn't right, the foundation will be unstable. If the foundation of your life isn't right, the foundation of your life will be unstable. Matthew 7, Jesus is just after preaching the, the, his longest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and he, he concludes that sermon with, with a story about wise and foolish builders, two guys who build their houses in different ways. One build their house on the rock, one built their house on the sand. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine will put, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who's built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. See, when you are building your house on Jesus, when you're building your life on Jesus, you are like the wise builder, building your house on the teachings of Jesus, building your house on the authority of Jesus, building your life on the person of Jesus. You are like the wise builder. When you know things aren't looking good out there, but you have the right foundations, that's security will bring you joy. But when you know that things aren't looking good out there and you have the wrong foundation, your life isn't built on the right things, that insecurity will bring fear. Let me ask you again, what's your life built on? Your bank account, 
great healthy family, your kids, your career, your achievements, your social life, your reputation. In an instant, those things can change, but it's Jesus Christ who is unchanging. Come on, the third thing I want to share with you, the final thing, and these guys are going to come up and help us to respond to God in worship today, is that the goal of our lives, come on, there's joy in the process. The goal of our lives is to look like Jesus. The goal of our lives is to look like Jesus. The goal of your life is to look like Jesus. The purpose of your life is to look like Jesus. In your own unique way, with your own gifting, with your own characteristics, with your own qualities, with the uniqueness that God intimately formed in your life in a very detailed manner, in a wonderful and fearful way, the goal of your life is to look like Jesus, regardless of your vocation, regardless of the house that you live in, regardless of the bank account details, regardless of the family, regardless of the socioeconomic status, regardless of your background, the goal of your life is to look like Jesus. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. You know, I've been a victim of saying this before. When you, you get, uh, somebody gets a newborn baby and uh, they're pushing it along in a pram and oh, look at him. It's one of your friends, maybe it's somebody in church and let's say it's a him for now and oh, look at him, isn't he so lovely? And then you look at the dad and you go, oh, he looks like you. I mean, of course he looks like him, it's his dad, right? I've said it so many times or you look at the mom and you say, oh, he has your eyes. You do this kind of, oh, he looks like you and he looks like you and who does he look like more? What I've never said as I looked at a newborn baby is, oh, he doesn't look like any of you. Right, of, of course the child is gonna look like the parent. And you know, your end goal, the goal of your life is to look like Jesus. If you're a child of God, we're supposed to look like sons and daughters of God. We're supposed to look like the person of Jesus. We're to keep making progress. We're to keep, making, we're to keep moving forward. See, in Genesis 1, 27, when God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In Genesis 1, in the, in the beginning, he made us in his image. It was the fall, it was Adam and Eve in the garden, taking of the fruit, which allowed sin to rule and dominate humanity that caused us to not look like him. But then what Jesus did on, when he was, God sent Jesus to the earth, who was living a, a sinless life, a life without sin, spotless, the person of Jesus, ministry for three years, healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching the good news about himself, setting captives free. When he was crucified by his own will, he gave his life up and he went to that cross. Then he entered that tomb. And three days later, he rose again. He rose again and then went for a number of days with many witnesses in order to verify his resurrection, to speak to his disciples. After that, the gospels went forth to the earth, but just in between there, the Father sent the gift, the promised Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who points us to the teachings of Jesus, 
Holy Spirit who points us to the person of Jesus, the Holy Spirit who guides us, the Holy Spirit who counsels us, Holy Spirit who is your friend, who's supposed to be your best friend. Why? In order that we would look like Jesus. Jesus in order to unite a lost, broken, hurting humanity, dominated by sin, took it all upon himself in order that we would look once more like the Father. The end goal of our lives is to look like Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 21, God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. You must follow His steps. Galatians 3, 27, all who've been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, come on, like putting on new clothes. 1 John 2, 6, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. You might struggle with that at the minute, but Romans 8, 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I don't know what weaknesses you're going at today, but there is joy in the process. You're not at your end destination yet. When you are, you will wake up and you will look like Him, which would imply that you are in a process. You're becoming like Jesus. Outwardly, we are wasting away. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. Come on, somebody. God began the good work in you. You have a secure foundation. The goal is to look like Jesus. There is joy in the process. We read this verse to you. We respond to God in worship. That's why we never give up. Come on, that's why you never give up. Come on, you're never gonna give up. That's why you're not giving in anytime soon. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Come on. Hi everyone, thanks for listening in on our Sunday podcasts. Check us out on our Facebook, Instagram at UT Belfast.